what's always been more important, in my opinion, with these Marvel characters is who they are as when the mask isn't on. Like, it's the humanity. That's what makes them so compelling. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Blurred Girl Podcast. I'm Kara Mahorn, aka The Blurred Girl, and today's guest is not just a talented artist, she's also my friend. I'm talking about writer Preeti Chibber. In fact, by the time you hear this, Preeti's next book, Spider-Man's Social Dilemma, will be out. Preeti is a huge Spider-Man nerd, and I can't wait to share this conversation with you. But first, let's pay some bills. Since the pandemic started, I've gotten much better at finding ways to relax. No longer a guilty pleasure, finding time to stop work and get off social media and unwind is now mandatory. And one of the ways I do this is by listening to audiobooks on Audible. And some of my favorite authors and past guests like N.K. Jemisin, Daniel Jose Older, Ashley C. Ford, and even the guys from Black Nerd Problems have books on Audible. Audible even has scripted podcasts like Neil Gaiman's Sandman and the brand new Sandman 2 featuring James McAvoy, John Lithgow, Reggie Jean Page, Kat Dennings, David Tennant, and Jeffrey Wright. And you know what else? Audible also has sleep stories. I love listening to those in bed when I'm having trouble shutting my brain off after a busy day. It's a really great way to get some sleep. But don't take my word for it. Check out Audible for yourself. In fact, if you sign up today, you get a 30-day free trial. Just go to audibletrial.com slash theblurredgirl. That's audibletrial.com slash slash T-H-E-B-L-E-R-D-G-U-R-L. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Do me a favor. Take a moment right now to subscribe to the Blur Girl podcast on your favorite podcatcher. And it would be amazing if you could also go over to iTunes and leave me a lovely comment. And for extra credit, take a screenshot of this episode and throw it up on TikTok stories or Instagram stories and tag me. I always answer those. And also don't forget to pre-order my upcoming book, Protectors of Wakanda. It's all about the Dora Milaje, the Black Panther security force. I was thrilled when Marvel asked me to write this book and I can't wait for you to read it. And it drops on September 20th. You can get it from your favorite bookstore, or if you want some help, feel free to click the link in the show notes. I met Preeti Chibber years ago when we were both working with sci-fi as fledgling freelancers. And I remember at New York Comic Con 2019 when she shyly announced that she would no longer be writing for sci-fi because she was writing a book for Marvel. Since then, Preeti has done so much, I swear. In fact, in fact, I'm probably gonna forget something, so let me just read her bio. Called Spider-Man Superfan and author by Publishers Weekly, Preeti is a YA author, speaker, and freelance writer. She's worked at she's worked as a publishing professional and has written for Sci-Fi, Polygon, Book Riot, Book Riot Comics, The Nerds of Color, and The Mary Sue, among others. In 2022, the first book in her original Spider-Man trilogy, Spider-Man's Social Dilemma, will be out, and the latest installment of her Avengers Assembly series, Exchange Students 101, releases in September. And she made her Marvel Comics debut in Women of Marvel number one back in March. She also co-hosts the podcast, Daisy Geek Girls, and the Wheel of Time podcast, Tar Valen or Bust. She's appeared on several panels at New York Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, and on screen on the Sci-Fi Network. And you probably recognize her from one of several BuzzFeed, look at these tweets, Twitter lists. 
She usually spends her time reading a ridiculous amount of YA, but is also ready to jump into most fandoms at a moment's notice. Now, this discussion is from when Preeti visited the Blurred Girl Live back in March of this year. So that was before Miss Marvel came out. So keep that in mind as you're listening. Up next, my interview with Preeti Chibber. Literally today was like, I think I'm going to try watching Gargoyles for the first time because I didn't watch it as a kid. And I knew there was this sort of like following for it, but I, it wasn't something I watched. So I didn't really know. And like everyone is like, best show I've ever seen. You're so lucky. Where are you watching it? Hulu? It's on Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus. Okay. I like just started the third episode, I think. It's so good. But I also am like... If I was a child watching this, I feel like I would spend the whole time being like, I don't, there are layers to this I am not understanding. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot there for kids who are into action stuff. But when you go back and watch it, you go, this is for grownups. They were doing a lot. They were doing a lot. They were doing a lot. (laughs) I always start, the first question I have for everybody that comes on the show, as you know, because you're coming (laughs) back, is what are you reading, watching, or playing to stay sane right now? Oh my gosh. So I'm I'm reading so many DC comics, like all Bat Fam, like just living in the Bat Fam. I like, like signed the, up all the Black Bat people. All, oh my god! Like I signed up for DCUI back in like November or something, and like I cannot. I must. I feel like I've read like three thousand comics in the last like two three months or something, and it's like like I didn't really know Tim Drake six months ago, and now I would like protect yeah. him with my life. <laughs> Like, who am I? Where, what, what is happening right now? I'm like all in on Bat Fam all the way. I think, I think you got tired of protecting Peter because you know everything he's, about Peter now. <laughs> he's busy. He's got he things going on. But there is such like a, I feel like the, the Bat Fam specifically fills such a hole that like Marvel, I can't think of an analogous sort of comic that exists in this weird, like Batman sees a kid and adopts him and he has 37 children. <laughs> like, yeah, and nobody thinks there's any movie. Yeah, nobody says anything about that. Like, can we talk about the fact that this man keeps taking children? I, just, I want that movie. I want, I understand why they're afraid of doing a Batman and Robin movie. I remember the Oh, 90s. wait, wait, I'm sorry. Brian Broadway Guru just called me out. Um, Charles Xavier? <laughs> Not the same. Not the same. I disagree wholeheartedly. Not the same. <laughs> There's no, no one's calling Charles Xavier dad. No, I go like DCUI or like I buy directly from the store when I can. So, but, so you're all into DC. You're going to protect Tim Drake with your life. Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. What else have you been into? Don't you have a Switch? Don't you play? Oh, I, okay. So I'm back into Animal Crossing. Okay. They pulled me back in with the gyroids. (laughs) I have... You look, I had to do this. You don't understand. Because I remember in 2020, you were all about all Animal, Animal Crossing. Crossing. Yeah, so the gyroids are these things. You can get, like, a new one every day. Oh, God. My house in my my little house on my island, I have, like, 70 of them. Oh, my God. This is like they warframed you. It's like there's a whole like daily. Built this. Yes. It's like a daily live stream. And let me tell you what we're going to drop. Oh, my God. <laughs> So you're addicted. You're back in. So it's just literally the gyroids and Tim Drake and really not much gyroids, else. Gyroids, Tim Drake. Um, and I don't know if you've played 
Guardians of the Galaxy, the PS, the a little bit, game. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm playing that right now. It's so good. The, like, yeah, I wasn't. Good. Yeah, I wasn't ready for the story to be good. I was what? watching. Yeah, I wasn't. I I was surprised. I was like, oh, we have acting, acting. Yeah, this is like for real, for real. Like there there are gonna be feelings. <laughs> oh, by the way, you're not alone. It looks like uh, Chalua agrees with you that the giants yeah, are everything. They're so cute. Oh my god! Look, look at this. she's even offered to help tidy up your island. Oh. What are you doing? This is just no. my mod. You don't have time to do all this because we I have things I, to do. I appreciate that. I spent hours like when I finally got back into it. I was like, oh my god, I need to. My there's so many like cockroaches in my island. Oh, <laughs> flowers everywhere and weeds. I was like, I love logging into a video game to do chores that I don't want to do in my real life. I was gonna say, once you finish cleaning your real home, <laughs> sit down and clean your virtual one. Like that's why people are like, oh, you need to start building out, you know, a whole new world in E3. And I'm like, I don't like this world. Why do I want to go to Web3? Right. I'm having trouble taking care of the house I'm in. Why do I want to build a house <laughs> in Web3? Why do I want to do that? Oh my God. They do get mad. They're like, I haven't talked to you in six months. <laughs> they call you out like that? Yes. Oh my God. They'll be like, oh, I saw you on the other side of the island and you didn't say hi to me. So wait, I got to deal with rudeness in real life and rudeness. See, this is, mm-mm, mm-mm. this is how people were saying, oh, Fall Guys, it's fun. It's so cute. And then you got people like literally committing violence. And I'm like, yeah, this is not for me. This is not my this jam. Is way too stressful. I have people doing this to me on Twitter all day. I can't do that. <laughs> I cannot. That's true. No, I agree. Like that trailer, you, you know, I watched it this morning. I lost my mind. I like started crying like immediately as soon as like Kamala's like on screen. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) my childhood. (laughs) But it's true. Like I, like I remember when No Normal came out, when the first issue of Miss Marvel dropped in like 2013 and like what G Willow Wilson and Sana Amina and Adrian Alfona were able to do is like incredible, right? They created a new Peter Parker, essentially. Yeah. Right? Only it was this like 14-year-old Pakistani American Muslim girl from Jersey City. What? In what world? Exactly. In what world? And now she's has her own TV. I like can't handle it. I like I'm gonna start crying again. It's so bananas. <laughs> Real talk. I offered to play the trailer again during the show, and Brittany's like, I can't. I'll cry. I'll cry. I'll start <laughs> crying. And I refuse to start crying on the internet. I won't do it. <laughs> oh, I've done it already. I'm playing this other game called Gris. That just is so. I no one told me. I knew it was gorgeous, but nobody told me that it was actually a, the entire game is a metaphor for depression. Oh yeah. no. There's images of him on this very channel somewhere of me bawling at six mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning one day. Like, oh my god. Um. So yes, Ms. Marvel is actually it's it's amazing. What do you think about the arguments that everybody's having about her powers? Uh, like, uh, oh, she, it's not a human's powers. This is not right. Who cares? It's not the same. You know how like, they are about canon. That's how I feel. Like, I feel like who cares? To me, it's more important. And what Marvel's always been, what's always been more important, in my opinion, with these Marvel characters is who they are as when the mask isn't on. Like, it's the humanity. That's what makes them so compelling. And so her powers will, you know, I've like... 
they're complicated. They're very complex powers to try to put on screen, even taking the Terrigen mist and the like inhuman stuff aside. Kamala's powers are complicated in a way that I could I could see that if you're writing a television show, you'd be like, how do we describe this? And how do we explain what this is in four seconds to like a nine-year-old who's watching this TV show? Exactly. I know we're here to talk about like two of your books, but I just need y'all to see this because Preeti's out here doing the most. She's very, very modest. I'm very, and I also want to tell you, I'm very proud of you because I see you on TikTok. I know you were not comfortable on TikTok, no. but I'm proud of you. <laughs> I am so proud of you for showing up every 15 seconds at a time, girl. You, it's so obvious that you're uncomfortable, but I'm so happy for you. So much. I hate it, but I'm going to do it. You do hate it. It's very obvious that you hate it. But you're doing, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Um, so I brought you here to embarrass you. No, I brought you here. Oh, my God. To show, I wanted everybody to see all your books. So this is what's on my shelf. So, oh, actually, I did, by the way, did finally get this. So I Yay. do actually have. Because um, I was like, can I have the book? No, she's coming on the show. Um, Spider-Man Social Dilemma, which we'll get into, but there's also Battle of the Bands, and there's also Swordstone, uh, Truth and Justice number seven, a Zantana story. Um, comics, Swordstone Table, Avengers Assembly. I love the sinister substitute. This image makes me laugh every time I see it. A Jedi You Will Be, which is the most adorable Star Wars story and I'm waiting until my, I think I could give my niece like another six months and then we can give her this book. Yes. Um, we got to train her up properly. Cause my, one of my, my, one of my brothers was saying something about Star Trek and I'm like, that's fine, but she needs, both. however, she needs both. <laughs> um, orientation, uh, Marvel Asse uh, assembly. That was the first one. Star Wars, Clone Wars, Peter and Ned's ultimate travel journal and a thousand beginnings and endings. So you, have been writing quite a bit of stuff, ma'am. Yeah, that's um, called your freelancer now. Say yes to everything. You are hilarious, <laughs> but you've been doing a great job. And so, yeah, no, I <clears throat> I can completely relate. I have been completely out of balance mm -hmm. on my social media because I've been writing more. Um, I'm writing more over the rap now. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I you have are. to watch everything. There's a lot. Thank you. I have a lot of TV things to watch. <laughs> That was actually also kind of terrifying. And that's the first thing I wanted to ask you, like going from writing sort of, when you go from writing journalism type stuff and review type stuff to writing a book, it is different. And that was yes. very, very hard for me on my first book, which, um, shameless plug, Do my it. first book. <laughs> yeah. Coming in September, pre-order in the chat. Um, that was hard for me. So what was it like? What? Because I know you started doing smaller stories in anthologies was the first one a thousand beginnings and endings mm -hmm. okay yeah a thousand beginnings and endings was the first thing i ever published like traditionally and it's a short story that's about like the collection is all retellings of asian mythology um and so i know the person who edited it and they reached out to me Elena, and she was like would you want to contribute a story because i'd been working with her for a while and i was like yes yeah i could do this i, I could probably do this like, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> so you're better than me. Marvel called me and I'm like, are you sure you met me? No, like, you need a friend to say that too. When they reached out to me about Peter and Ned's, my yes. instinct was like, they must be emailing the wrong person. Like me. And so I messaged Swapna, Swapna Krishna, who yes. you also know. Yes. And I was like, 
me? And she was like, yes, you. What is wrong with you? Just say yeah, yes see, to this. And it's so funny because that's such a Swapman thing to say. And, and Swapman's like, you know, I, I and, 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 and sometimes I want to say, like, I know you know her much better, but sometimes I want to say, Swapna, you, you've written for NASA, so you don't have the same thing that the rest of us have. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've written science things. So. There, was, there was a panel in uh, this week's super what is it superman son of kal-el the tom taylor book mm -hmm. where dick grayson goes if i would have a, if i ha he says something like if i had a superpower or it turns out i do have a superpower and it's imposter syndrome oh my god i'm running <laughs> that down my superpower like, is imposter syndrome i love it i was I like bro that. tom taylor what are you doing stop looking at i know us. exactly and also tom taylor is like how dare you <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely um, awesome. But I remember when Peter and Ned happened. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. tell me what it was like. Okay, so now I want you to write a whole book. Yeah, it was wild. I mean, Peter and Ned's was interesting because they were just like, we need we need you to write a book that's like related to the movie, but you can't see the movie. And we're going to have you read a script that is clearly not the actual script of the movie. Right? You're, you know. Mm -hmm. I like... When I, they were like, you have to come into Marvel offices. You're going to get three hours in a conference room by yourself. We're going to give you three pieces of paper and a pen. You're not allowed to take anything in with you. We're giving you the laptop that you're reading it on. And then I read the script three times. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. The script that you gave me doesn't make sense. They clearly gave me a fake script. Yes. And I had to parse what I thought was probably going to be in the movie and write the book based on that. And write the that. book based on that, which is, so your edits must have been really interesting. Like, okay, so not that, but we can't but, tell you what it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, uh, it was really funny. Hi, this is The Blur Girl Live. I'm Karen Mahorn. My guest tonight is Preeti Tibber, and we are talking about her illustrious writing career that she doesn't realize that she has because of imposter syndrome. <laughs> the reason why I wanted to bring this book up first is because my book is written in journal form too. Yeah. And I thought about you because I was like, this is actually good for those of us who are transitioning from, like I think the longest thing I'd written before this book was like 10,000 words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, you need how many words? They're like uh, 50. And, right. And it was, and it was even more than that. So I was like, I don't even know. Okay. So I think a journal is a good thing. Cause it's like, you're writing like entries, which is nice, but your font is much bigger than mine. Yep. So you were lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you were very lucky. So your that was a middle school book, right? Yeah. That was middle grade. That was like probably like eight, eight to 10 ish. Like maybe even a little younger if you're reading with like a parent or something. Um, and, event, and Avengers Assembly was what age? Avengers Assembly is very similar age. It's also illustrated, like very like second grade-ish is ideal, I think, for Avengers Assembly. You had taught me this. So there's, I thought it was like adult and YA and mm -hmm. preschool and like preschool, like learn how to No, there's like books. a whole, I worked in um, children's publishing for like a decade and there's like picture books readers which were like 32 page teaching kids how to read there's like illustrated chapter books then there's middle grade there's like illustrated middle grade there's then there's like YA I think there needs to be something in between that's like an upper middle grade younger yeah, YA that's yeah. like the 10 10 to 14 which is what Spider-Man Social Dilemma is um yeah there are all these various age levels that go into when people are marketing books Leveled, like, leveled readers are great because they're, 
ideal for kids who are starting to read by themselves. Mm-hmm. And you can get a lot of really fun superhero ones. Did all of these come from referrals? Like one, you wrote one book and somebody else referred you to another or? Yeah, so the Spider-Man, like Peter and Ned's kind of kicked it off, I think, and which I always say, like, you know, our friend Brandon T. Snyder, mm-hmm. who is is amazing. He's amazing. I called him crying through the middle of my book, so he's, I know he's, he's- <laughs> so wonderful. I met Brandon one time, like in person at a, we did an after hours podcast recording at Midtown Comics. Oh my in God. In the downtown store. Yeah. And like- we, we got along really well, like we became friends online and he's the one who like, he like messaged me once and it was like, you're going to get an email from somebody at Marvel Press for an opportunity. And I thought he meant like interview, like I was going to interview somebody at Marvel for sci-fi. And then they were like, we need you to write a Spider-Man book. That's what happened to me when they were like, somebody from Marvel is calling and I'm like, okay, so I'm assuming someone wants me to interview somebody mm-hmm. at Marvel. And they're like, no. For sci-fi. They're like, no, we need you to write a book. And I'm like, that is when I said in front of a bunch of people at Marvel, <laughs> are you sure? Me? <laughs> like, that's not what you're supposed to My say. name? Right. <laughs> but yeah, it me. just, and I promise you, like, I think you'll have more people coming because it shows the minute you show, I feel like that you can like write a book in like playing in someone else's sandbox, essentially, right? You're playing by their rules. It's their story. You can write it. You can write it fast and you can promote the crap out of it. Like they're like, and you do a good job. Like, you know, the characters really well, you know, the world really well, and you don't have to be guided all that much. Your name goes on like on a list somewhere or something. I feel Got like. It. Okay. Were you, your editors from Marvel? Because my editors were not. Like Marvel's on the book, Marvel outside of the- Peter and Ned's wasn't, it, they were all through Disney, through um, Peter and Ned's was Marvel Press Got at it. Disney. It's not Marvel Comics. So right. Marvel Comics is like a whole different beast. I've only worked with them for the women of Marvel. Um, and Star Wars was Lucasfilm Press also with Disney. And Got so it. you're working with people who- aren't in the comics but so the but they will be sending your work to somebody at marvel comics to like check everything or even like the avengers assembly was through scholastic so that makes sense very similar where you're like uh, that first avengers assembly like uh i think i wrote a summary before i wrote the book and i got notes back from like 10 people like 10 different people making comments on the word document between like my editor at scholastic like a production person i think all the like people at marvel who had like marvel comics who had a say in the characters and i was like i'm going to need someone to parse through these comments for me yeah the, and you know what's really funny i was kind of lucky in that nobody knew what i was talking about like when I went, there was one meeting that I had and I'm going to go back because I know I took a screenshot because I'm like, somebody in this room is important. I don't know who these people are because I was <laughs> on a Zoom and I'm like, I don't know any of these names, but I know at one point I'm going to research and be like, oh my God, that was, that was Kevin Feige's, you know, <laughs> secret name, you know, but there was no, there was, uh, my book is not related to the movie at all. And so um, what I'm curious about is when I did my outline, first of all, pff, my outline in the book, two different things. I had to like, <laughs> let them know once we got going, like y'all, this is turning into something else. Um, but the people that weigh in on that, that outline, that can be daunting. And I think the, the thing that made it easier for me was cause there is no lore. 
about you have to make it up. I had to make it up. So I would say 80% of my book is a thesis. <laughs> and That's then the rest, sweet. and then there's like 20% that I like, I made this up. That's but it was, really cool though, right? It was it, it terrifying. Terrifying. You're contributing to you're you're creating canon in a way that is someone at some point is gonna cite this thing about the Dormilla that, that you invented. <laughs> Like, I didn't even think about that. That amazing. is actually, and now I'm even more nervous. Okay. Don't, no, so, that's cool. <laughs> you're like, it's cool. It's awesome. Something else I wanted to talk to you about that ties to that is working on licensed material mm-hmm. because things like stone sword, sorry, sword, sword stone, stone table, table. I know. <laughs> and, and a thousand beginnings and endings. Those were of your mind. Yes. Those, those you came up with, but the rest of the work, like you said, you're playing somebody else's, um, Sandbox. So what I would like to do is dispel three myths okay. that people seem to have about working on licensed uh, projects. So li- working on licensed mat- working on licensed prose work that uh-huh. is tangentially related to comics. Mm-hmm. What are three myths that you can dispel for us? Um, three myths. I think something that you have very little control. Oh my like, god. The story the story is like you it is like it's a balance, right? Like say for the Spider-Man social dilemma. Like the story is mine. I created it. I wrote it. I came up with all of it. If there was anything that Marvel felt was not in line with their understanding of who Peter Parker was, like my editor at Disney and I could push back but they get final say, right? Like I, they get to decide whether or not what I'm writing will go into like the Peter Parker, you know, history or whatever it is. Um, So that's one of like, you do, you know, they could, it. there are edit, this hasn't happened to me, but there are instances in which I know where entire books have been changed and no one told the author before it got published. <gasps> Oh no. Because they can. They have like that that is the thing about working in licensed work. We have no ownership over this IP. It's not ours, right? Um so that's just something to remember <laughs> that there are many people, like no matter whose name is on the book, there are many, many, many voices that go into its creation. Um Two, something I learned, <laughs> I don't know if this is a myth so much as something I like didn't think about before I started writing prose for like a character who's not frequently in prose. There is a, and I think we're, we might talk about this later too, uh, the shift from visual from comics to prose is such an interesting one when you're like, like writing a fight scene in the Spider-Man book, I had a moment early on when I was like, there are like four, maybe not even, there are probably like two or three different ways that you can say shoots a web. Yep. The phrase shoots a web does not have many synonyms. No, it does not. It does not. So there you're are- <laughs> you're going to say it a lot or you're going to add a thwip or you're going to do exactly. something? Exactly. <laughs> it was like fling, thwipped. I, it was just you. And it's a quest- writing thing. It's yeah, a writing it's a- thing. There are like questions that don't have answers in the comics that you have to think about. Like I had to email my editor at one point and ask if Sandman, when he was in his human form, if he had bones and organs. I was like, if Sandman is shaped like a human, is he all like dense sand inside? Or is he like 
did he does he have bones right now? I can see how that and then the concept of shooting a web, I can see that because in writing, you, you don't want to say this repeat no, the exact same word boring. over and over and over again. Right. It gets boring while you're reading the paragraph. You're like, oh, shoots a web again. Whereas in the comics, it's like dynamic and exciting because he's doing all these other things. But it doesn't matter how many flips and twists and turns he's doing in the paragraph if you're still writing that he had to shoot a web. Exactly. <laughs> There's, that's something that I just never, yeah, that's insane. So um, <laughs> we'll see if I succeeded or not. But, <laughs> but one of the, yeah, I think, the biggest myth for me is that it pays a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, it does, does not. not. It doesn't. I can say I <laughs> I shouldn't know. I shouldn't say how much I got paid for Peter and Ned's, but it was not. I didn't, in my defense, I, like I didn't have an agent at the time. Yeah, and I don't that. either. I'm hoping maybe my next book I'll get. You should like, you more, but... you should we'll talk about that offline. You should have an agent. Um, you could get one now, I think, but we can, we can discuss offline. He's going to teach me. Um, but I just said, yes. I was just like, yes, I'll write this. (laughs) (laughs) So we were just talking about different, um, age groups that you've written YA, you've written middle grade, you've written, uh, wait, the, a Jedi you will be. Picture book. Picture book. Okay. So which do you like better? Which they're all kind of fun. I did see that. I can't now. I don't remember who said it, but somebody asked what age, if I had books for seven and eight year olds. And I want to say that the Avengers assembly series is a plus for that. As is Peter and Ned's, I think ultimate travel. Oh yeah. I definitely think Peter and Ned's, especially since it, and also for people who are reading bedtime stories, they would like that one because each thing is an entry and it ends. Yes. (laughs) You can do a chapter, chapter a night. Um, But Oh, favorite age level is hard. Like, I was not prepared for how much I actually really liked doing a Jedi ULB. That was yeah. one that Star Wars, my editor at Star Wars reached out to me and was like, would you want to write a picture book? And picture books are not easy. I feel like people think it's short. It's like 500 words. It's so simple. Picture books are not easy to write. Like it is a skill set. And like, I was lucky enough that I worked in picture books for a long time, which means I've read a lot of picture books. But aren't there rules, like certain number of words to it's, each page or something? It's about flow, right? Like, I mm. literally, for that book, cut out, I think, I'm how long is that book? 40-some pages? I think it's 40 pages. I cut out 40 pieces of paper, and then I cut out each line of my manuscript and started moving them around to see literally how the flow of the text would be across each page. Cause you're thinking about a parent who's like holding the book up, turning the page, reading it. Like how long is a kid going to be interested in it? It's like a really interesting exercise, like writing exercise. I don't know. I like all ages. I think they're all fun in different ways. Yeah. I will say writing prose is the easiest in my opinion. Cause you don't have to describe illustrations for an artist. Girl, listen. It's today. So I was just, I was just telling. I was late to do this show because I was trying to explain. Like, that is not how the vibranium looks. What are you doing? Like, it's <laughs> it's so complicated. You're like, I see. I am not an artist. Like, I will say, I'm not. I cannot draw. Like, I have horrible drawings that I put online sometimes because they're funny because they're bad. But when you are writing a script or you're writing something illustrated like Peter and Ned's my notes were like this is what the text looks like this is what I picture the page looking like with illustrations this is what I think the illustration should be doing um it's it's 
it's fun in a different way because you get to see what an artist comes up with based on your notes, like coming back. Like a Jedi, you will be my notes were like, this is what I think it looks like. And then to see like what came back with those amazing illustrations. I was like, this is incredible. The prose, you just have to write it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, nothing you're... else involved. You're absolutely, you know, you're absolutely right. Now, <laughs> just so everybody knows what we're talking about, there are these two lovely books that... Uh, the one on the left is coming in July, yes. Spider-Man Social Dilemma, and Women of Marvel, this comic is out now. So this yes. is part of the, the series y'all saw last month. Um, I was in Marvel's Voices Legacy. This is another in that sort of series, Women mm-hmm. of Marvel, for um, Women's History Month. And your story, who was your story for again? I wrote Black Cat. And she was actually very cute and very much like, everybody calm down. I have this. We're good. We're fine. I love it. I love Black Cat so much. (laughs) Well, no, I love it too. And I actually thought it was interesting. Unlike the other books that everybody had completely different stories, I felt like all of the stories connected Mm -hmm. in in your, um, because it was you and other people, but I think all of the stories connected, which was a a, a different way of doing it. I think it works well with less people. I wrote all of the Black Cat stories. The the credits are a little confusing, Yeah, but yeah, I know. (laughs) But I wrote every page for Black Cat was written by me. It was just illustrated by somebody different. Got it. Um, Which was really cool to see as a writer, to see what different artists did with the work. And especially because you like Jen Bartel and Marguerite Sauvage. Yeah, the moment I saw Jen Bartel, I was like, oh. I was like, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Also, Jordi Jordi Belair on colors. Jordi is like the best colorist in the game right now. It's wild. Um, yeah. So no, it's a it's a fantastic book. And I was gonna say that it was your first comic, but it's not because you were in Truth and Justice number seven. I was. I wrote a Zatanna one shot, basically. And was um, that um that was twenty twenty That was twenty twenty one. That came out last summer. So like literally the last time I saw you at a convention was like twenty nineteen <laughs> San Diego Comic Con, <laughs> I think. And then like you left and then just started writing books. Cause you said you're like, I have a lot of things I'm doing, I can't talk about them, but I'm leaving. <laughs> and we're like, What? And then she just started throwing books out of the air. <laughs> I literally, you literally helped me get to my Star Wars meeting when I broke my foot. Yes. That was for this. Oh my god! That was for that. I was meeting Jedi about Clone Wars and oh, Clone Wars. Uh, Jedi. Okay. You will be both, both. I was meeting about both because okay. I wrote both of those within like a month of each other. But... So we need to explain to everybody what you did. <laughs> so I, t- I think I told the story last time I was on this show, so but it's too. it's a good story. Um, the last San Diego Comic Con I think any of us went to in 2019, I. The literally the Wednesday before the show started, we were there. Like I got there, I was covering it for sci-fi and someone wanted to try those scooters. And I was like, I am a horrifically clumsy person. We like, both am, are. And right, it was like, you're going to do what now? <laughs> literally two minutes. I was on that scooter for two minutes and I ate it. I just like ate it so hard. And my foot was like super swollen. And so I spent the entire San Diego Comic-Con with my foot wrapped and walking with a cane I bought at a drugstore. 
And I ran into you on the floor on my way to trying to get to the Star Wars meeting at the Star Wars booth. And, and you were like, like I got you. We're like, I got you. Everybody out of the way. So it was like me and somebody else were like, you got to go move. So move. we just became security. We were like, everybody out of the way. We've got to get to a thing. It was like a running away. You know, we looked like, pretty. looked like she had this whole roving set of security. It was and we horrible. were just trying to get this girl to this meeting. <laughs> it was amazing. And then I left, I like left San Diego Comic-Con and went to urgent care the day after I got home and they were like it's broken <laughs> you need to be in a cast <laughs> you idiot and, and you know what's funny it might have been cracked but you were like i'm still gonna walk around on it you probably just destroyed it walking all over the convention I like did everything because, because what we do for nerd love that is what we do whatever i met the cast of veronica mars i was like this is worth it and you also wrote two star wars books so priorities <laughs> you're like this will heal the book is forever buddy um so yes that was <laughs> that was hilarious getting back to spider-man social dilemma do you feel that this has been the most intensive book that you've worked on like yes most... okay I, th I think so i it's it's one that literally has i've been waiting for this book like they emailed me in march of 2019 to ask if it was something I'd be interested in doing. Okay. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, I would like to write an original Spider-Man series. But I have to write three other books and break my ankle first. <laughs> so I will call you back. Well, it was then it was a really long back and forth. I wrote so many different pitches for this book. It's It's gone through so many different iterations. And it literally was at San Diego Comic-Con. I was at some party and I ran into somebody who worked at Marvel Comics, because Marvel Comics is where the hangup was happening, where they were like, this isn't quite right. This isn't quite right. Okay. And I ran into somebody who worked there and he was like, we really love like the basis. And then I just pitched something totally different than anything else. I was like, I kind of have this idea about like a Peter MJ rom-com. Like it's still adventure, but there's a lot of like romantic comedy elements to it. And he was like, that sounds good. And that's, then it actually started happening. And like, yeah, no, see, that's interesting. <laughs> so your first Spider-Man book was tied to the movies. Yes. So that was Disney, but this one is tied to the comics. Well, this one is like, it's its own continuity, but Marvel comics, like the, the Peter and Ned's was with Marvel studios. That's mm -hmm. who had comments on all of my work. The 97 comics, people. <laughs> my favorite comment was when I had a rude awakening about the Peter Parker in my head versus the Peter Parker in the MCU. Cause the comment I got back on my first draft was like, MCU Peter wouldn't say this. And I was like, you're right. Oh MCU yeah. Peter wouldn't say this. My Peter Parker in my head would say it. Um, so now <laughs> that's who's in this book is the Peter Parker who's in, it's my in head. your head. Got you. Okay. But Marvel Comics has so much say. They have to like approve everything. They have to make sure that like this is this is okay with like who their version of Peter Parker is, whether it fits in with like you know. There's room. Obviously, every writer handles Peter a little differently, but it still has to be in line with who they think it is. So they had to approve my story before I could even start writing it. Like the basic yeah. ideas behind mm -hmm. it, they had to be on board with it. And they finally, they finally were, but then it still was until 20, like, I don't think I got approval to actually write the book until November, 2020. Wow. Oh, wow. That's a long, yeah, long back and forth. Yeah, really, really long time. Like to the but point where I was like, they're not going to let me do this. 
Well, you, look, I'm still surprised they let me do it. But I will say this. I understand that that lag because everything that was sent, that you send to Marvel takes about three weeks to get back. I know. And it's so it's a very <laughs> slow process because of all the hands that have to touch. Everyone stuff. has I, to touch it and see it and approve it. And like <laughs> I was I was very lucky, I think, in terms of like there was one thing that the, I like what's kind of cool is in this book, I invented a villain. Like there's a brand new villain who's like never been seen before that I created for this book. Um, yeah, it's really cool. But that was that was difficult. That was like a lot of like they had to like really one, make sure it wasn't like close to anything. So once you got through all of the approvals and everything like that, and then you got to start writing, because I'm curious about this, too. I had a very short amount of time to write. Once That's the fun thing about IP, right? They're like, yes, we're going to take forever to approve it. But then you have two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, yeah, I had something like 10 weeks to get everything beginning to end. And I was like, what? Yeah, I think I wrote my book in, I wrote Peter and Nuds in six weeks. That I know. Wow. And I think I wrote Spider-Man Social Dilemma in a month-ish, month, month and a half, something like wow. that. Wow. Yeah, it's it was a, a very lot. it's a very fast turnaround. You have no life. Like I literally was crying and not sleeping. And Chuck was like, "You can't die over this book." And you're like, "But I gotta get it done." I have to. Yeah, it, it turns into like, done. yeah, it has to get done. It's like I mean, I think I was in a better, I was in an easier position than you because I was literally just making everything up, and I didn't really have to like. On occasion, I'd have to go to like try to find some information about like like Sandman. Like, does he have bones? Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's about that's sort of the extent of the research I had to do because I do like there's such a strong knowledge base of like who yes. Peter Parker is like that I didn't have to do a ton of research on that on that end so I could just sit down and like write you know six thousand words a day and just like get it done. The third Avengers Assembly series is mm -hmm. uh, Exchange Students 101 because the kids are all going to Xavier School for the Gifted. And I had to email Marvel and I was like, is there like a map of the school that I could see? And they're like, here's an image from a book from 1987. But in the book, <laughs> just so I'm clear, it's not like the movies where everybody knows who he no, is now. No, no one knows who he is in the book. Okay. He's, he's on his own being Spider-Man. Trying um, to pay bills. But I will say the book is multi-POV. So you'll get Peter's perspective. You get Sandman's perspective. You get Mary Jane's perspective. Um, so it's a shifting POV book. So you're <gasps> is like, it a three-way hate mats? No. Ew. <laughs> no, I love a, a hate mats, but like Mary Jane and Peter are too cute for a hate mats. They just they like, they're dorks. That's what I, that's how I wrote that. They're huge dorks for each other and they don't even know. It's so uh... cute. <laughs> Without giving it away, it's. His social dilemma is his balance between his life, but in the book, nobody Maybe. knows who he is. But I will say what was fun in like Spider-Man social dilemma. So obviously like there's not a lot of room to play with Peter Parker or right. anything there or like Mary Jane, like those are a little set in stone, but every, I will say, I think almost every single other character I created is a person of color. <laughs> so, there's like, so, are there, so there's a Daisy character in there somewhere. There is, there Yay! is. Like anytime I had someone who like had dialogue or had a name, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is where we're going to play. When you get into the, some of the cultural specificity mm -hmm. things in these stories, you have people like, but this isn't canon and that's not right. Like, canon is so, there's this great article that James Whitbrook, I bring it up all the time. James Whitbrook wrote this great article for um, io9 like a few years ago about 
how we need to stop obsessing over this notion of canon because canon by like forcing ourselves to maintain like this strict relationship with canon we're divorcing ourselves from the possibility of great story which is really true and so this notion of like canon having to like supersede everything to me is absurd like and i don't think and things can't evolve i think canon is supposed to evolve and the fact that when you're stuck in this place like listen a lot of people had a lot of things to say about like ta-nehisi kyoto's run on black panther and the intergalactic empire of wakanda and all the things that were created but what he did for can he exploded canon yes and now Almost like Multiverse of Madness is going to do in the MCU, where like now we can do we've widened this we thing, have this, fun. this playing field. We can now we have an actual playground and not a little bitty sandbox. Yeah, we're not like totally beholden to this notion of continuity, right? Like we can have breaks, we can play games with these characters. They don't have to exist as the same character in every single movie. Exactly. So, are you excited to see? Ms. Marvel in the upcoming Captain Marvel <sighs> with the with her power set. I like, she's, all, she's always going to have an identical goosebumps. power set. Like literally, <laughs> I just got goosebumps. Like I genuinely, I was thinking the other day, I was like laughing. He, I think we all saw that terrible um, turning red review where somebody was like, I was not in this. I was exhausted. Like that's silly review about that. that it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I saw that too. And it's like, yeah. you could actually watch absolutely You could literally anything watch else. anything. But I was thinking of like, if I had treated the movies I grew up watching the same way, it would have been, I was like, when did I see, when did I see a South Asian American person? Like when, and I could think of two things, the Indian in the cupboard, the best friend of the main character is a little Indian American kid. And then I think 11 years later, the namesake came out with Cal Penn and Harold and Kamar go to White Castle. Those are the three movies I could think of. And I was like thinking about kids who are going to grow up seeing Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel as part of the MCU, as part as a superhero. Like I, it's like very emotional. I think it's incredible that they're going to get that sense of validation and like the, the, not that representation is everything, but it's been proven like, you know, it's the windows and mirrors. Like you need mirrors to see yourself and you need windows to see other people. And it helps you, learn empathy and like not only will the little south asian kids who see this girl get excited but like everyone will see that like south asian american kids can be heroes and that's awesome right and while y'all are stuck on the bracelets and the power set we're looking at a whole other thing here and i also think the other wonderful thing that you do is that you're writing about peter parker you're writing about all the you know all the things you're a walking encyclopedia about peter parker but it doesn't mean that you don't want representation it doesn't mean like i don't understand why people can't understand like we can have both that's i will see that has been very interesting to me as someone who is like a south asian american now who is writing a non-south asian american character who's writing a character that has largely been written by not us let's say um is the sort of like people don't know what to do like now that it's like they can't call it a diverse book it's like they don't know how to market it 
is very it's like an interesting phenomenon I've been noticing. Yeah. They no, I've got I I can see that because it's sort of like okay, but it's Women's History Month so it's a woman author and then oh wait, Asian American yeah. month we can say but the character isn't Asian. Yeah, Does so that like matter? It's like okay, but see what what you've done? There's that box again. Yep. You could have just sold the book. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're right. Black Donald says, uh, do the companies tell you target audiences? No. The reason why they hire us to write the books is because we are the target audience. <laughs> tell me that you've gone through this. When they're trying to promote the book and they're trying to tell you all the outlets that they're sending it to or who they want to send the arcs to. Oh, we should probably explain an arc. Preeti, what's an arc? Oh, an arc is an advanced reader copy. So like this version of Spider-Man at the top, this black band, what it says is this is an uncorrected advance proof, not for sale. It is specifically for booksellers, book reviewers, teachers, librarians, like people who will then purchase the book either in bulk or help market the book through reviews. And you hope they understand that concept that things are still being changed. Some people don't listen, but yeah, the, <laughs> but so it's like when they start rolling out the names, it's like, oh, okay, but if you're going to market this in this way, whether or not it's to a children's audience or whatever, why are you hitting up all these grown-up sites? Well, they're comic book sites. It's like, yeah, but the book is for children. Why aren't you talking to mommy bloggers? Gate, gate, the, it's the, and, and I don't mean gatekeep in the bad way, but the gatekeepers, the literal, the people yeah. who will share the book out widely, who will get it in from the eyes of parents and booksellers and teachers and librarians and everyone who is involved in the path from getting a book from the store to a child's hands. Right. And if they just quit looking at social media numbers and look at who's going to actually talk about this book. Mm -hmm. And that's that part was really over my head um if you use netgalley just hit me up with a like dm me on twitter with a your netgalley email and i'll send it to um my publicist yeah because and and that's that's the thing that's fascinating to me how have you been able to sort of i mean this book you're still pr promoting but how mm -hmm. have you in the past been able to get Sort that out. Get get it get it into the hands of the people. <laughs> I mean, I remember for Avengers Assembly, I did a lot of it myself, which was like I asked for copies of the book that I could specifically, I was like, I want to do like, you know, a giveaway specifically for BIPOC educators. Like I want Ooh, nice. this to go to educators who serve under, you know, marginalized communities and all those things. Um, it's been interesting. All my, I mean, like you said, it's been from 2019. So like the majority of my promotion, and I think a lot of us, the majority of our promotion has been during the pandemic. And so it's what you can do digitally. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, um, working with, like, I, I remember during uh, Apollo month last year, May is like, uh, AAPA, AAPALA, mm, so many A letters. I know, wait. Asian For the Heritage American Month, Pacific, Pacific, Pacific Islander, Islander AAPI. Yeah, um, but people always forget the last two letters. But... I know. <laughs> well, they put us all together in a way that you're like, what? How? Fine. Um, <laughs> but we did, my my buddy Min Lei, who does also does like picture books and superhero books, he did an amazing uh, Green Lantern. Um, middle grade novel um we did a talk with liberty books which is a black owned bookstore in dc and like it's like those things you're you're conscientious about who you're working with and 
the spotlight you're sharing, essentially, I think. No, absolutely. And I think it did you go on any type of book tour? I mean, you couldn't no. in 2020. So did you do a virtual book tour? I did. I did. Uh, it's so hard. I feel like I did like Zooms. I did li like libraries. I never did like a tour tour. We'll see what happens with the social dilemma. Like, I just want to see readers in real life. Like, it sucks that you don't get to like, it's so I like did virtual read alouds for uh, a Jedi you will be when it came out. And it's like really nice that they have that access that like kids can sit and like do the reading. But it just, it's not the same as like having the energy. When it comes to promoting these books, I'm seeing some very creative Yes. Stuff happening. And I that's why I think like well-read black girls great. I think a lot of really cool mm -hmm. book talkers that are just hi, I like all the I'm things. Saying, book talk, man. I'm trying. It's fantastic, but I'm terrified. Book talk on TikTok is not like book uh Bookstagram. No. Bookstagram is all like get all these pretty, pretty books and then do a flat lay and have all of these beautiful book, flowers. Book talk is and like book talk, no book talk is like this. So I have a book, right? Look, and this is what it's about Spider-Man and I'm really excited about it. And I just want, and then, did y'all read it? Okay, thanks, bye. Like that's all TikTok is. And then I'm still like, please do that with my book, thanks. <laughs> and the moment there that you hear about a trend that works, mm -hmm. 15 oh, yes. minutes later, it's over. So it's like so by the wild. time you figure it out, it's gone. I did that that one that was like the makeup thing where you're yes. like dun, 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 that one. Yes. I did it for the Avengers Assembly and it took me like an hour yeah. to figure out how to do it. I had to watch like a like a 12 year old give me a tutorial on YouTube. But that's but that's why I don't do a bunch of videos like that. I have some like that. Yeah. But most of them are like what you said, just talking or saying something yeah. or lip syncing over something else with mm -hmm. another meaning typed on the screen. That's like the easiest ones to, to do. But yeah, they, I also am very aware of the fact that the reason why the, the platform has blown up and has become so popular is because kids who are at home who have yeah. parents that pay bills have a lot of time to do this. And the, and the reason why everybody older got on it is because we were all at home. I don't think I would have joined <laughs> if it wasn't for the pandemic. Because remember, even at San Diego Comic-Con 2019, they had all those TikTok ads. And I was like, I will never... Get on that app <laughs> later. Right. Been in my house for six straight weeks. <laughs> so, did yeah. you sign up to do three books, or are you doing the first? <gasps> Look at you. All three books. Book two. The manuscript is with them already. Um, Look at you, job security. I know. Once I get notes on that, we can figure out. I like have. I had to do a trilogy because I had to plan out the whole story because it's all yeah. connected. Mm -hmm. um, which is super hard. <laughs> Not my favorite thing. <laughs> You're like, who came up with this? Very oh, yeah, difficult I did. to do. <laughs> Where I was like, and. You know what? Another thing, if you're a writer, take notes about what you name things and put them somewhere. Oh, God. So you're not looking through your own stupid manuscript being like, what did I name this character's father? Yeah. I don't I, I actually, I actually have had one very <laughs> awkward interview, and I've decided I'm now going to have Cliff's notes of my own book because I can't remember. You should. It's a 100% highly recommend because it's the worst. And I'm sitting here like, who said... Who decided to write these sentences in? Oh, it was this? past me, that dick. <laughs> Someone should fire her because that was unacceptable. <laughs> Way too complicated. Well, I'm I am so excited you were able to come hang out. Please, everybody, 
please, please, please order <laughs> Spider-Man Social Dilemma by Women of Marvel and yes. order Protectors of Wakanda because apparently I wrote canon. Even you wrote canon. Anymore. You invented canon. <laughs> I invented I made a canon. <laughs> You're going to be cited on like Marvel Wiki. They're going to be like, from Protectors of Wakanda, comma, Horn Caramel. Oh, my God. Hopefully they'll spell my name right. I'm just super excited that you were able to join us. So, folks, thank you so much for hanging out. I appreciate it. The chat, you guys have been amazing. Preeti, thank you for coming back. Everybody, Everybody needs to buy the book. Yes, buy the book. Every time I talk with Preeti, I forget it's an interview because we giggle so much. Please pick up Spider-Man's Social Dilemma, which is out now. There's a link in the show notes for it, or pick it up at your favorite bookstore. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment on this episode if you enjoyed it. And don't forget to pre-order Protectors of Wakanda, my book. And check out audible.com for yourself. If you sign up today, you get a 30-day free trial. Check the show notes for everything. See you next time. Thank you.